0: You said you didn't wanna belittle what we did here, but just the little things that we do. And actually, um, that's not belittling at all, but it actually is expressing in a very profound way what we're doing here. That it doesn't take very much to start to feel deeply that connection and the love that we have here together. And in the silence, without actually having to say anything to each other, but something very profound starts to happen. And I wanna I wanna talk about, I wanna pick up from a piece from Sally's talk last night uh, where she was speaking about the five jonic factors. And there was this, there was the vitaka and the vichara, those first two factors of those mental factors that she was speaking about. And then she said the vichara, she said you fall in love with the object, so you fall in love. And I thought we should come back to that. We should come back to the falling in love because it really is about these these five mental factors that arise in our mind all the time that is really the secret for us to this intimacy and this falling in love with things, with people, with our experience, with ourself. And, and that's, the, that's the piece that we're really working on here and that we're generating here. We've been, we've been working with these factors of mindfulness and concentration. We've been playing with these. They've been dancing with each other over this week. You know, this capacity to be able to stay present with our experience as it is, and be able to attend this attentiveness that the mindfulness brings for us. And then that support with the concentration, that steadiness or the gathering of the mind with what's happening. And so we've been playing, we haven't been leaning too much into the concentration. As a, as a samadhi practice to try to get somewhere, to have certain experiences. And we haven't been leaning completely into the mindfulness as pay attention, pay attention, you know, let go of what the mind is creating and just be here, be here. We've been really playing with both of these together, the pay attention, but keep the mind steady on this metta, on the metta. And what we find that we start to feel more and more of this balance within ourselves as the concentration gets more steady and as we start to be more present with our experience. And then bringing in the equanimity practice, which the equanimity means that we're really paying attention to the way the mind gets reactive in the attachment and the aversion, which are those far enemies of equanimity. And so we're, we're watching as well as we're being mindful and focused on what's occurring, the ways that the mind wants to fall into this wanting and this pushing away and demanding and controlling and manipulating our experience and coming back again and again to the metta, to the loving kindness, to the, to the simplicity of this practice and the saying the phrases and, and feeling and sensing and focusing. Even though it's not simple so much when we do it, the practice itself is actually simple. And so the the factors of the mindfulness and the concentration and the equanimity start to allow us to see things as they are. We start to be able to sense and know our experience, more objectively, without all the, without the clutter of the mind, of the attaching, the wanting, the aversion, the rejecting and the resistance and all of that, we land a little bit more firmly in our experience and the equanimity of that more of the non-reactive way of being with ourselves and our experience, which then does help us connect more fully with our mind, with our heart, with our experience in a more tender way in a more intimate way. And as we we do that, we also hold at the same time this seeing what's possible for us, not only seeing things as they are, but also knowing and seeing that there is a possibility here for us to, to grow, to expand, to even be more connecting, to be more intimate, to be, to be more open. So we hold both of those. So, the, so much of the metta is an expression of that aspiration of, of what, we, what we know is possible for us and for others and for uh, all beings. And so we're holding that aspiration while we are staying present with things as they are, which is the equanimity. So it brings in a question though, how do we know that there is this possibility? You know, we are, we're sitting here and we're expressing and we're opening to this possibility of another way of living, of being in our lives and being in ourselves. How do we know that? What, what, keeps, that, what keeps that going for us? Why, why would we continue to keep aspiring and wishing and praying Sometimes this is like a prayer. We do that because something is already awakened in us that knows what's possible, that knows that we have that capacity to live with these beautiful qualities of our heart and mind. Not only that we can live with them, but we are that already, but things actually get in the way. And so we keep aspiring, we keep moving towards, we keep, keep that prayer, that blessing going for ourselves. So, so these factors, these different factors that we've been practicing with begin to empower this opening. The opening using metta here, the opening of the heart brings more understanding, brings more clarity, brings more connection, more present presence and more tenderness. And then these, these factors, these jonic factors kind of play in here. We can break it down even more. Because every moment that we are present, every moment that we're present, these factors that Sally spoke about come into play. And I want to bring them out a little more because they have a lot to do with the way we live our life the way we engage in our life. They're not just factors that we pay attention to when we're doing our meditation, but we can begin to see how they are at play all the time whenever we have uh, a moment of being present with our experience. When we're not present, they're not gonna be so effective. The first factor, I'm just gonna the first factor of this Vitaka is the is this initial contact, when we come into contact with our experience. So it's that initial we call it the initial application of the mind. And it's for example, it's like when I strike this bell, that's the contact. I'm just gonna strike it without making a sound. It's just that strike. At contact. So the striker hits the bell. There's some contact made. So it's like the mindfulness makes contact with something, whether it's a, a person or a sound or a feeling or a, a memory or just some kind of initial contact. So that, that contact. But that's not the whole thing, right? That can't be, you know, if, if life just sounded like that, It wouldn't really be, you know, much. It'd be pretty flat, right? Something else has to play with that, which is then called the vachara. They, they play together the, the contact and the vachara, which is when you actually strike, make contact with something, something happens. Always. In the contact, there's a resonance. There's a reverberation. There's something that occurs, and we experience it in time. It's the way we perceive it in time. It's still going. And that's where life happens. Life happens in that reverberation upon the contact. And this is really what gives, we called it, that rubbing with the object. This This is what allows for the intimacy with what's occurring. Just like then, if you were present with that, there was some intimacy with that sound. And then that has an impact, that has an effect, that has a resonance, that has a reverberation that we can be present for. Part of our practice is the presence with that reverberation. This is really what gives the emotional tone of the experience. Whatever it is, whether it's we smell a flower and we just allow the vichara, the sustaining of that experience that has a a whole flavor, a whole whole reverberation in that smell or when we meet a person, we come into contact, there's a reverberation or we have a memory or we see, I don't know, some there was something going on out there, people were looking at something and there was some reverberation, and you could feel the whole energy around it and I didn't get a chance to go over and see what it was. What was it? Oh, our our dear snake. Yeah. You know, you see it and it it has has reverberation depending on the different kinds of associations or the memories or the experiences that you've had in the past. They give rise to new conditions and new experiences that we then come into contact with that have reverberations. For example, seeing the snake and then the people coming together and the contact with the people coming together, that started to have some reverberation and then that was felt outwardly, just like the strike of the bell. If we stay present for that, this is what gives rise to the intimacy with our experience and in our life. And it allows for the exploration, for the exploring, for the getting to know, for the curiosity and for the interest and and all the knowledge and the understanding that starts to come because we're staying in contact with, because we're staying in presence with. Oftentimes those old strategies can come in where we just sort of, the mind slips off because there are maybe certain memories or or ideas about what might happen if I stay in contact with this thing. Sometimes it's scary, it's fearful, and that entering into the intimacy with whatever it is and being open and being connecting and being present, sometimes it's too much. It's too much for the heart, it's too much for the mind, depending on our condition, our conditioning and our past experience and our relationship with intimacy and opening and connecting. So that may be the next contact that we come into connection with ourself. In my, my need to pull back or my need to close down or my need to say this is too much or I have to go do something else then I stay present with that because that has a, re- a reverberation. That has a resonance in the, in the being, in the system. So whatever is happening moment to moment to moment, contact, 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 it's all going to be having an impact. It's all going to be having an effect. And as we, as, as I pointed out with the, what was happening around the snake, all those ripples start interacting with each other. And we feel that from so many different, in so many different ways and so many different levels. and And our capacity to be attentive and present and awake and conscious begins to open and expand. And we have more and more capacity to be able to stay present with the whole diversity of experience, whether it feels good or whether it doesn't feel good. Because generally, what happens is we only want to sustain that contact when it feels good when it 's pleasurable when I like it, then i 'll stay with the object, whether it 's ice cream or whether it 's a person I like or you know whether it 's a, a movie you know that i 'm engaged with i mean it 's like then however the problem with the problem with this practice of mindfulness and concentration and openness means that if we're going to open to life we get it all. We don't only get what we like we also get what we don't like. We get what's pleasant we get what's unpleasant. Whether it's people uh, feelings experience you know any kind of experience and those ripples come together and interchange and impact each other and it's Life, life, all having an impact on us. Can we stay in contact and keep some sustaining of that mindful attention with some focus, with some steadiness so that we can actually experience life as it's happening? Because usually those, those, those strategies can come in all what we call the obstacles and they might shut us down. I don't wanna be here, I can't be here, it's too much. And that's okay, but can we be here for that? Can we stay in connection with what's happening for us when that happens, stay here with ourselves? So I'm wondering, as I speak about this, I'd like to ask you and you just can reflect for yourself In what ways over this week have you been able to sustain this kind of contact in your experience that has brought, has has given rise to some kind of deepening, some kind of opening, some kind of understanding, connection, tenderizing, whether it's been continued contact with yourself. So many people have spoken about that. Just this sustaining of the attention again and again, over and over, all oh, this discovery about yourself. Whether it's been a friend or any of, the, any of the people that you've been extending metta to. Whether it's been the nature going out into nature and taking time with the animals or the, the, uh, the lizards or the insects, the horses. Sustaining that contact. What happens when that contact is sustained? There's a mingling, getting to know, the intimacy starts to arise. The sun, the moon, the grass the air, feeling, sensing, seeing, hearing, life, this is life, taking time. And what's happened as you've done this? The heart, your heart and mind have become tender, sensitive, more connecting as people have shared falling in love, (laughs) falling in love in ways that maybe you didn't expect. This is where it all happens. Sometimes we have to slow things down in order to begin to receive and feel this receptivity of the objects of our awareness or what's happening in our experience all through the senses, the seeing, the hearing, the tasting, the touching, the smelling, what happens in our mind, what happens externally. This is life happening. Can we be present for it? This, is the, this to me is the true metta. It's this quality of true connection, of real interest and curiosity, wanting to know, wanting to Ah uh, understand, wanting to stay awake for life. This is Joseph Campbell who said, people say we are looking for meaning in life. I do not think that is what we are looking for at all. I think what we are really looking for is an experience of being alive. An experience of being alive. And as we as we stay with the connect the, the connecting and the contact, this is what grows and develops into the delight, the pity, the delight, the joy, which is the third of these factors. We feel more delight. We feel more joy. The heart even gets happier. And as Sally was talking, this sort of reaches a pit pitch. It can get we can get very, very uh, joyful about what about what's happening. And then, as all things do in nature, there's kind of it kind of peaks and then it calms, and then we feel that contentment, the happiness of being present, open. And then the mind gets very one pointed because it's home. We're home, and we don't want to go anywhere else. We don't want to leave. There's so much contentment. There's so, we feel so complete. This is the igakata, the one-pointedness, which is very powerful because everything comes together in that. This one point where everything is now, everything is happening now. So all these factors begin to come together, which gives us the experience of being alive, being awake. And the mind gets bright, the heart gets bright, illuminated. The Buddha has called this original brightness, the original brightness, the radiance, the radiance of the heart, the radiance of the mind. All starts to come together as we stay here in this connection. This is what gives us more and more capacity to live our life. In all the the vicissitudes, all the changing vicissitudes, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, whether it's challenging or easy, the heart gets stronger and stronger and stronger. the Dalai Lama was talking to a monk that was captured and tortured by the Chinese government as the Dalai Lama often does. The Dalai Lama's heart is so, so strong. And the Dalai Lama said, did you ever fear for your life? And the monk said, yes. There was a moment I lost my capacity for kindness towards my captors. How about that? There was a moment when I lost my capacity for kindness towards my captors. Beyond, beyond what we might even be able to imagine, but that kind of capacity is possible for us as the mind gets strong, the heart gets bright, and we were able to sustain that quality of presence and connection with life as it happens. This is the true engagement, not apathetic, not indifference, not disengaging. It's not where this practice is going. This practice is about fully being alive, fully being engaged, because that's our nature when we are open. When we're not lost in the habits of our attachments and our aversion, this is our nature. Then there isn't even a question of connection or disconnection. (laughs) That whole duality just completely breaks apart because we just are that. We are that. We are that nature and the beautiful qualities of the human heart, the the love and the compassion and the joy and the equanimity are expressions of this awakened mind and heart. So, I'll end there. And we're going to open it up now. We can turn the tape off. Yeah. We, do we want to turn the tape off anyhow? And, uh. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.